the prodigal son, possibly Christ's most well-known parable. Christian or not, you know the story. It's also one of the most painted parables in history. Well-known artists like Spada, Batoni, and Rembrandt using imaginations to capture the scene. In my opinion, only Dutch master Rembrandt truly depicts the moment that the prodigal son returns to his father. In the painting, you see the wretched state of the son's return home. He doesn't even have a shoe on one of his feet. He kneels before his father in repentance, asking for forgiveness. And what does the father do? He lays his hand on his apologetic son and welcomes him home. The world-renowned painter Rembrandt masterfully captures grace and love in what some call the greatest painting ever. Christians who see it, who meditate on it, notice how our Heavenly Father handles repentant sinners like us. Through Jesus, he welcomes us home from our rebellion with open arms. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. Here it is Thursday, can you believe it? And a series called Embracing Your Prodigal on the very first day of September. If you haven't seen the Rembrandt painting I just mentioned, check out this week's series page at haventoday.org, and you can see it along with more of my thoughts about it. I think you'll be blessed when you do. Prodigal Stories has been our theme this week. We've been talking with an old friend of mine who used to be a prodigal daughter, Barbara Giuliani. And one thing I really like about Barb's story is that her parents continued to love her. They even kept on praying for her, even as she ran far away from them, just like the father did in the story Jesus shared. You know, if somebody came into my office and was telling me that story, I'm not sure how I'd counsel him. I'm not sure if I would say, like, you did the right thing. Hmm. You know, I think that my instinct might be to say, you're enabling him. Mm -hmm. And yet, that's what the father did. And then when the son came back, he welcomed him in. Barbara Giuliani will be back with us in just a moment to talk about the prodigal's father and how gracious he was to his son. And after that, we're going to look to God's word and answer a question that many of us have wrestled with. How do we show grace to others, our children, who might even be a prodigal the way the father did? It's a challenging question, but God's word has answers. So stay with me. Then after the program, I want to get you a copy of the book that Barbara and her late father, the pastor Jack Miller, wrote together called Come Back Barbara. It's really a dialogue between the two of them as they remember those challenging days. I have to say it's the best prodigal story outside of Scripture I've ever read, and it was a blessing for my wife and me when we were dealing with our own prodigals in our home. I know this book will give you hope as it reminds you that Jesus is in the business of leading prodigals home. So after the program, would you call us at 800-654-2836, 800-654-2836, or go to our website and make your gift there and ask for your own copy of Comeback Barbara, haventoday.org. That's one word, haventoday.org. We open the program now with Sovereign Grace and their song called The Prodigal. You held out your arms, I walked away. Insolent, I spurned your face. 
song for us today, The Prodigal by Sovereign Grace from their Sons and Daughters album. You're listening to Haven Today, and I'm Charles Morris. Now, I want us to return to a conversation with my friend Barbara Giuliani in Philadelphia. I asked Barbara to share with us something that really strikes her deeply about that parable of the prodigal son. The part that I've been thinking about lately about the parable of the prodigal is how the father let his son just take advantage of him. Mm. And I think that we miss that. You know, he asked for half of his inheritance, which was basically telling his father, I wish you were dead right now right. so that I could have all these things. And then he took it and he spent it all. You know, if somebody came into my office and was telling me that story, I'm not sure how I'd counsel him. I'm not sure if I would say, like, you did the right thing. 
Hmm. You know, I think that my instinct might be to say, you're enabling him. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what the father did. And then when the son came back, he welcomed him in. So I think that it's really just important to locate ourselves in that parable as the prodigal, no matter whether we acted badly as I did, or we've always sort of been like a nice person. But either way, if you really know yourself, you know yourself as the prodigal. And you know that the Father has done everything for you and has welcomed you again and again. Who, who of us does not sin the same sins every single day? Mm-hmm. And who of us does not get welcomed by the Father every single day? And it's really knowing that grace and that love that allows us to love our children in the same way. I really believe that people become Christians as other Christians suffer. I know that was true in my life. You know, the suffering of Christ is what finally and surely saves us. It's his death on the cross. Mm -hmm. And yet Paul does say, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking. It's not that there was anything lacking about that great salvation, but the offer of salvation comes with a suffering. Mm. So I think that we're often, you know, we raise our children, we love them. They're, you know, they're little enough that you can pick them up and put them on a timeout when they have a temper tantrum. And um, I don't know if we ever really expect to suffer to see Christ formed in them. Mm. But there's definitely a suffering in watching and waiting and continuing to love your child, to move towards them even though they reject you and hurt you or use you mm-hmm. or use your resources. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, those are the questions that parents still, you know, right. after all these years, right. they email me, they find me, they want to know, okay, I read Comeback Barbara, but what would you do here? Mm-hmm. And really, it's just going back to the story of God's grace to us and then asking God for the wisdom to how we express grace to our children. Thanks, Barbara, for sharing with us and for being on the program all week. This is a question that many of us parents have to wrestle with. How, Lord, do we express grace to our children? You don't have to read the Bible much or have been a Christian long to have heard the story of the prodigal. The parable is, in truth, a parable of the Father's love. Looking at the way in which Rembrandt portrays the Father, you can gain a whole new understanding of tenderness mercy, and forgiveness. I think seldom has God's immense, compassionate love been expressed in such a way. Every detail of the Father's figure, the light on his facial expression, his posture, the colors of his clothing, and most of all, the gesture of his hands, speaks of the divine love for humans that existed from the beginning and ever will be. Everything comes together here, the story of Rembrandt's life, All of humanity's story, God's story. You know, Rembrandt was a Christian. Time and eternity intersect. Approaching death and everlasting life touch each other. Sin and forgiveness embrace. The human and the divine become one. What gives Rembrandt's portrayal of the Father such an irresistible power is that the most divine is captured in the most human. You see, if I just look at it, a painting on the surface... 
a half-blind old man with a mustache and a parted beard, dressed in a gold-embroidered garment and a deep red cloak, laying his large, stiffened hands on the shoulders of his returning son. Now, that's specific, and it's concrete. I can describe it to you. But if you keep looking at it, you can also see infinite compassion, unconditional love, everlasting forgiveness. These are divine realities coming from the Father, who is the creator of the universe. Here both the human and the divine, the fragile and the powerful, the old and the eternally young are fully expressed. It's not just that Rembrandt was a genius in painting. It's the spiritual truth that comes through. The true center of Rembrandt's painting is those hands of the Father. It's on them that all the light is focused. On the hands, the eyes of the bystanders are focused. In them, mercy becomes flesh. Upon them, forgiveness, reconciliation, and healing come together. And through those hands, not only the tired son, but also the worn-out father find their rest. Not long after Rembrandt painted the father and his blessing hands, Rembrandt died. In fact, this painting, which is on display in Russia today, The Prodigal Son Returns Home, was probably his very last painting. Rembrandt didn't just paint, he taught a spiritual reality. Those hands represent the hands of God. They've held me from the hour of my conception. They've welcomed me at my birth, held me close to my nursing mother years ago, fed me and kept me warm. Those father's hands have protected me in times of danger and consoled me in times of grief. They've waved me goodbye, but always welcomed me back home. Those hands are God's hands. I've got to tell you, I'm a bit nervous in talking about this topic on this haven today. Earlier this week, you may have been able to relate to Barbara, and we heard from her a few minutes ago, as the prodigal daughter returning home. Yesterday, I challenged us to see ourselves as the older brother in the biblical story. It can be done, not so easily. But then, we can't just leave this alone. We need to also identify with the Father. And that makes me a little nervous, because the Father in the parable of Luke 15 represents God the Father. And there's no way I want to equate myself with God or be accused of doing that. But yet this most complicated parable has so much to teach us. And as I read the scriptures, I know we're meant to identify with Almighty God. I grew up thinking of God as just the authority figure, austere, someone you respected and certainly couldn't pour your heart out to. That's because I was identifying God the Father with my earthly father. But then Jesus tells me in Luke 6:36 to be compassionate as your father, capital F, is compassionate. That's a radical statement from our Lord. God's compassion is described by Jesus not simply to show me how willing God is to feel for me or to forgive me my sins and offer me new life and happiness, but it's to invite me to become like God and to show the same compassion to others as he is showing to me. If the only meaning of the story were that people sin, but God forgives, I could easily begin to think of my sins as a fine occasion for God to show me his forgiveness. 
there would be no real challenge to such an interpretation. I would just resign myself to my weakness and keep hoping that eventually God would close his eyes to them and let me come home, whatever I did. But that's just some sentimental rubbish, and it's not the message of the Gospels. What I'm called to make true is that whether I'm the younger or the elder son, I'm the son of my compassionate father. I'm an heir. No one says it more clearly than Paul when he writes, The Spirit himself joins with our spirit to bear witness that we are children of God. And if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, provided that we share his sufferings so as to share his glory. As a son or a daughter, and also an heir, I'm a successor. I'm destined to step into my father's place and offer to others the same compassion that he has offered to me. The return of the Father is ultimately the challenge to become the Father. Looking at Rembrandt's painting of the Father, there are at least three ways to a truly compassionate fatherhood. You may be a mother. You may be a father of a prodigal. Listen to me. Three ways to a truly compassionate fatherhood, or even motherhood. Grief forgiveness, and generosity. Now, it may sound a little strange to consider grief a way to compassion, but it is. Grief asks me to allow the sins of the world, my own included, to pierce my heart and cause me to shed tears, many tears for them. There is no compassion without tears. If there can't be tears that stream from my eyes, there have to at least be tears that well up in my heart. When I consider the immense waywardness of God's children, our lust and our greed and our violence and our anger and our resentment, and when I look at them through the eyes of God's heart, you can't but weep and cry in grief. The second way that leads to spiritual fatherhood is forgiveness. It's through constant forgiveness that we become like the Father. Forgiveness from the heart is very, very difficult. In fact, it's next to impossible. Jesus said to his disciples, when your brother wrongs you seven times a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I'm sorry, you've got to forgive him. We don't want to do that. But God's forgiveness is unconditional forgiveness. It comes from a heart that doesn't demand anything for itself, a heart that's completely empty of self-seeking. It's this divine forgiveness that I have to practice daily. It calls me to keep stepping over all my arguments that say forgiveness is maybe unwise or unhealthy or just not practical. It challenges me to step over all my needs for gratitude and compliments. It demands of me that I step over that wounded part of my heart that feels hurt and wronged and that wants to stay in control and put a few conditions between me and the one whom I'm asked to forgive. The third way, though, to become like the Father is generosity. In this parable, the father not only gives his departing son everything he asks for, but he also showers him with gifts on his return. And to his older brother he says, all I have is yours. There's nothing the father keeps for himself. He pours himself out for both his sons. Every time I take a step in the direction of generosity, I know that I'm moving from fear to love. But these steps, certainly at first, are hard to take. 
because there are so many emotions and feelings that hold me back from giving freely. Why should I give energy and time and money, yes, even attention, to someone who has offended me? Why should I share my life with someone who has shown no respect? I might be willing to forgive, but to give on top of that? Just as God the Father, I have to be brave enough to carry the responsibility of a spiritually adult person and dare to trust that the real joy and the real fulfillment can only come from welcoming home those who have been hurt and wounded on their life's journey and loving them with a love that neither asks nor expects anything in return. There's an emptiness in this business of spiritual fatherhood. There's no power in it, no success, no popularity, no easy satisfaction, but that same dreadful emptiness is also the place to find true freedom. It's the place where there is nothing left to lose, where love has no strings attached, and where spiritual strength is going to be found. Almighty God, the great I am. Immovable rock, omnipotent, powerful, awesome Lord, victorious warrior, commanding King of Kings, mighty conqueror, and the only time, the only time I ever saw him. When he ran to me, he took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, said, my son's come home again, lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes, with forgiveness in his voice, he said, son, do you know I still love you? He called me back.
What a beautiful song, articulately portraying Luke 15, the story of the prodigal, a song called When God Ran. What a reminder. God embraces us, holds us up, and forgives us when we run back to him. Everyone knows a prodigal. You know one. I know one. And maybe at this very moment, you are that prodigal running away from the Lord. Well, come back, Barbara is the best prodigal story I've ever read. And I mentioned this when we went on the air, but I need to say it again. This one book impacted my wife and me more than anything else as we struggled with our own prodigal child. And maybe this book can help you as well. The Lord hasn't finished with you or your prodigal. You don't need to give up either. And Jesus is still out there today, leading prodigals home. And one thing the Bible teaches and one thing I've learned, there's hope for all prodigals. There's hope in Jesus. Why don't you call us now and get a copy of this book, Come Back, Barbara. We have it for you as our thanks for your gift of financial support. We need it, but we want to bless you with Come Back, Barbara. Call us, won't you? 1-800-654-2836. That's 1-800-65-HAVEN. Get to know Barbara a little better. Go online and watch the video we've posted with her. Read the sample chapter of the book. Make your gift, but be sure in order. Come back, Barbara. Go visit us at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And yes, we still have copies of Johnny Erickson Tata's new book called Songs of Suffering. Ask about it when you call or read more about this devotional book when you go online. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for being with me. Won't you come back again tomorrow? When again, we'll share together the great story, It's All About Jesus, here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Sometimes it's hard to know if the Lord is really looking after us. We know his promises, like in Psalm 91, where the Lord says, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. How do we know we love God? How do we know he'll rescue us? That's a question a lot of people have struggled with, including me. But it's important to remember, we love because he first loved us. The Lord's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, uniting us to Christ who died and rose again. His protection is over us. We can love him because he's already rescued us. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchored.com.